my wife Lisa has, is a teacher at a Christian school in North Liberty. It's called Heritage Christian School. Most of you knew that. Um, actually, Lisa has been a, a, a teacher at a Christian school uh, at two or three other Christian schools for pretty much her whole career. She only spent like one or two years in the public school. Um, and one of the things that I have got been blessed with in being married to a Christian school teacher is that I have learned some things over the year. Surprise you? Um, I have learned, for example, I used to think that the only difference between a Christian school education and a public school education was that in a Christian school, you get to pray and read the Bible once in a while, and then you learn the same things, reading, writing, and arithmetic, and all the other things, right? All that is true. But there is a fundamental difference between um, how they approach education in a Christian school as opposed to how uh, it is approached in a public school. And basically, it comes down to something called biblical world view. Have you ever heard that term before? Um, so everybody has a worldview, right? Everybody views the world some way. And we get to choose how we will view the world, through what we will view the world. But most of the time, we human beings just don't do that. We just view the world. Not, and, and what happens when we view the world without choosing our worldview, what happens is that no, whenever the cultural winds of the world change, we find ourselves being tossed about by them. Okay? Well, in the Christian school, they intentionally teach a biblical worldview. Now, you might be asking, what is a biblical worldview? Uh, I'll explain it to you. There are basically three foundations of a biblical worldview. Number one, in a biblical worldview, you believe that God created everything. Do you guys believe that? All right. And, and, and because they believe, we believe that God created everything, we believe that God is the source of all truth. Do you believe that? Okay. And because you believe that God is the source of all truth, you you believe, or people who go send their kids to Christian schools believe that um, everything, reading, writing, arithmetic, music, gym, um, uh, science, everything is taught with God's unchanging word as the foundation of everything. So those three things create a biblical worldview, and it's from that view that kids in Christian schools uh, engage the world. Now, I tell you that this morning um, because as this morning as we continue our, our journey through this all-church study called Seamless, you remember what that is? For those of you who are guests or visitors with us today, we are in uh, an all-church study that is uh, intended to help us to connect the dots um, and understanding how the Bible all fits together seamlessly, and that's what we're continuing to do today. Today, I'm going to share with you a scripture as we continue on this study that um, illustrates a, uh, a, a fundamental truth of a biblical worldview. And um, this, this worldview actually has the potential to change, to change the way that you experience God. Uh, you may experience God today in a way that you never dreamed was even possible when you begin to understand how God views you, okay? 
So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to uh, the Old Testament book of 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7, if you're using one of the church Bibles, I think that's on page 354, um, whichever. Open them up to 2 Samuel chapter 7. And as you're doing that, I'm going to give you just a little bit of a quick review of where we left off last week. You may remember that last week we left off uh, in one of the most famous stories in all the Bible. It was where God speaks to Moses through the burning bush. Remember that? And God says a few things through to Moses through the burning bush. But one of the things he says is this. He, he reminds Moses of something. He says, I am the God of your father. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. And I am the God of Jacob. He is reminding Moses that he is the God of the patriarchs. The people to whom God gave an unbreakable promise. And because God gave this unbreakable promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God wanted Moses to remind the people of God that that promise belonged to them. And there's a lot that I could go into that I did last week, but let me just remind, me, remind you of one of the fundamental um, outcomes of this promise. Because that's for you too. In those moments in your life, when it feels like the world is in chaos, when it feels like everything is falling apart, when it feels like there is no hope, God told Moses, God reminded Moses to remind the people of God that he's got this. It's going to be okay. Why? Why? Because God promised. And God never, never breaks his promise. Understand that God will fulfill his promise the way God wants to fulfill the promise, maybe not the way you want him to fulfill the promise, but God always fulfills his promise, which means that God's got this and it's going to be okay because God has a plan. All right, so there's the foundation for today. Today we are moving the plan, the ball is being moved forward. The God's plan is being moved forward um, in a fundamental way. And that the ball is being moved forward through a guy named David. Now, there's lots of stories in the Bible about King David. Uh, there's this, one of the, probably the most famous story in the Bible about David was when he was a little boy, right? When David was a little boy, he slew the giant Goliath with a few smooth stones and a slingshot. He was a hero, even as a little boy. That little boy be grew up to be a military he hero, and that little boy, according to the Bible, would become king of Israel one day. And that little boy, which is all cool, right? And that little boy that, was, that, that uh, slew a, a giant with a slingshot who would become a hero, who would become king, according to the Bible, was also an adulterer. Not quite as cool a story, is it? And according to the Bible, that same little boy that would grow to be king and a hero and an adulterer would also become complicit in murder and trying to cover up his own sin. The Bible doesn't generally pull too many punches 
and I'm glad. And I need you to remember that all those stories of King David this morning as we come to our passage of Scripture for today because it'll be important. So, here we are. 2 Samuel chapter 7. Here in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God shows up and speaks through the prophet Samuel to David, who is now king of Israel. And as he speaks to King David, he makes one of those um, unalterable promises. He makes him a promise that will be fulfilled. Nothing's going to stand in the way. Why? Because God always fulfills his promises, right? So this is the promise. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 15. God, through Samuel, says to King David, he says, your kingdom, unlike that of your predecessor, and who was, his, who was, the, who was the king of Israel just before David? Anybody know? A guy named Saul. Not Saul who would become Paul. That's a different guy, okay? King Saul was David's predecessor. And God is saying to David, he said, unlike your predecessor Saul, your kingdom shall reign forever and ever. Amen. Now, a lot of people, when they read that passage, you're just kind of going, okay. But I'm here to tell you, remember last week when we talked about verses, pregnant verses, right? That this is one of those pregnant verses. This is a, a verse that is, that is filled with life and hope. And you're thinking, I don't see it. Well, listen to me now, because this is very, very important. The, God's plan is being advanced here. God is saying to the world, to you today, thousands of years later, I'm advancing the plan. Well, I don't get it. I don't see it. And when, when God, through Samuel, said to David that your kingdom shall reign forever, what he was saying was through you, through your lineage, through your line, I'm going to bring the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I'm going to bring hope and salvation through the world. I'm going to bring the Messiah through your family line, which was the plan, and the plan had a name, and what was his name? Connect the dots, folks. Jesus. So in this verse, in this passage of Scripture, uh, God is saying, I have a plan. The plan was there from the very beginning. The plan was with God, and the plan was God, and the plan's name was Jesus. And he was saying to David that you're, it's going to be through your family that the plan is fulfilled. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's awesome, right? Now, Let's stop right there for just a second. Put a pin in it, because I'm going to bring you back to that biblical worldview that we were talking about earlier. What is a biblical worldview? We believe that, that God created everything. We believe that God is the standard of truth. And because we believe that God is the standard of truth, we, we view everything in the world by his unchanging word. This is God's view of the world, right? That's the way God views the world. That's the way we should do it. 
So I'm going to bring you back to a biblical worldview by comparing and contrasting King David and his predecessor, King Saul. You may be asking the question, why did God replace King Saul with King David? If you aren't asking that question, you should. Why did God replace King Saul with King David? I'll tell you why. Well, I'll tell you part of the reason why, anyway. Part of the reason why was that King Saul is a sinner. He is a rebellious, self-centered sinner. Now, are, are there red, red flags going up all around you? There should be if you've been paying attention. If there's not, if they're not, if you weren't paying attention, start now, would you? <laughs> there should be, these red flags should be going up because you go, wait a second. God took the kingdom away from Saul because he was a sinner. But didn't you just tell me that, that King David is a sinner? I did, didn't I? So why would God take the kingdom away from one sinner and give it to another sinner? Do you know? The answer, if you have your Bibles, turn quickly back to Samuel, 1 Samuel, chapter 13, I believe it is. 1 Samuel, chapter 13, verse 14. So, in this verse, um, God is talking to Saul through the prophet Samuel. Um, and God, through the prophet Samuel, says to King Saul, he says, the kingdom's going to be taken away from you. For God is going to give it to a man after his own heart. Translation. What God was looking for here, what God was looking for in a king was a man of faith. You see, that was the difference. I mean, there were lots of differences between Saul and David. In all actuality, from one world view, King Saul was a much better choice. He was, he was tall and handsome and, and charismatic and, and he, he was a... a, 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 a leader from a world, from one worldview perspective, he was all those things. What he wasn't was a man of faith. What I'm about to share with you is one of the most important things you will ever learn. So listen up. We're talking about worldview here, right? We human beings have worldview. What we, we, when we we view the world and value certain things because of a worldview. Sometimes we think because somebody's tall or handsome, because they're talented or because they have money or because they have power or prestige. We think those are important things. You want to know what God thinks is important from his worldview? The most important commodity from God's worldview is what? Faith. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, in fact, that it's impossible to please God without faith. 
without believing that he is and that he rewards those who diligently seek after him. It's impossible. The most valuable commodity from a biblical worldview is faith. We, this whole um, seamless study is connecting the dots or finding threads that weave the Scripture together seamlessly. Faith is one of those threads that you will find all throughout Scripture. God saying, have a biblical worldview. Have my view of the world. And the most valuable commodity in my view of the world is faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. But it's not just faith in anything that God is looking for. What was God looking when he, when he went to Saul and he said, this is what you're lacking? He, he would say, I'm looking for a man. I'm looking for someone who loves me, who, has, who trusts me and believes in me in spite of all the stuff that's going on in the world today, in spite of what's going on in your life today. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone who believes. Not just someone who believes in anything. I'm looking for someone who believes in the plan, which was with God in the very beginning, right? And the, the plan was God, right? And the plan's name was Jesus. See? Faith in the plan who is Jesus. Here's something that is beautiful when you think about a biblical worldview. this faith that is the most valuable commodity from God's perspective is available to you. You have, it's like a precious jewel or a, a, a bar of gold or what you know, from our worldview. He's saying, this is yours. All you have to do is accept it. All you have to do is have faith in Jesus when it feels like the world is in chaos. When it feels like everything's falling apart. When it feels like there's no hope. Have faith that God's got a plan. He's had it from the very beginning. And it has a name. Jesus. 